Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell the tale, and we have a chat about the story itself and about the craft, culture, and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 18 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. This is, um, I realized counting before that I've made mistakes before, this is the seventh episode of Fireside that I've been recording on the road and it is the seventh and final one before I return to the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios in Dublin. For the last uh, eight weeks I've been on tour all around America with two shows with Celtic Nights, Oceans of Hope and with World of Musicals. I've seen 20 states. It was my first time in America. I've had an absolutely incredible time. Uh, I'm currently recording to you from Rockport, Maine. And I got to tell you, before I came to America, knowing we were going to be in as many places as we were going to be, it was very hard to pack for, of course, because you kind of have to pack for all weather types. Um, but I have to say, the weather didn't wasn't quite as fluctuating as I had initially thought it would be. It was mostly because we started in Canada and then worked our way down the West Coast, through Washington and Oregon and California before making our way over to the east. Um, and I got to tell you, it was essentially just snow for the majority of the time, on, right about until we got to, I'd say, Texas in about March. Um, it was just snow. Even California, uh, which obviously is associated with, nearly only in so, associated with sunshine, was raining, was having uh, record levels of rain that they've had in the last 25 years. So, of course, the Irish always like to think that they, they bring the rain with them wherever they go. Um, <clears throat> but then when we moved over to World of Musicals, most of our shows, the last two episodes I recorded for, th- for this podcast, I recorded from Florida. I've recorded them both from Orlando. Sorry, I just kicked a table there. Um, and, yeah, now I'm in Maine and it's snowing again. So I'm now finally experiencing a bit more of the fluctuation I got very used. We had five shows in Texas and eight shows in Florida. Uh, so we were well used to the beautiful sunshine all the time. It was fantastic. But now we've moved across. Uh, we moved into South Carolina, North Carolina, and now we've worked our way back up the East Coast. We were in New Bedford, Massachusetts yesterday, which was incredible uh, because that's uh, New Bedford was known as the Whaling City 
Um, and not that I love whale hunting, but I'm a big fan of the novel Moby Dick. And New Bedford is the first place that uh, that Ishmael goes in the novel. And it's where he meets Queequeg, the harpooner, and where their relationship begins. So that was really cool for me on a personal level to be around that town. And that's a beautiful town. It, it really has maintained that, uh, that old, rustic, old American aesthetic, which was really, really cool to see. Um, and it was a great show we played there as well. Um, and now... We have a day off in Rockport. Rockport was voted by Forbes in 2008, I think, as the prettiest town in America. And looking at it, I have to say I'm inclined to certainly agree somewhat. It is a beautiful town out there. I haven't had a chance to explore properly yet. Uh, We mostly just retreated into our hotel because of the snow and I've spent the day uh, writing the script for this podcast and now recording it but I'm going to be heading out after this to grab a bite to eat and to explore a little bit but from the aesthetic I've seen so far it seems like a beautiful town um, Rockport Shoes is what it's famous for as well if anyone wore Rockport Shoes in school in Ireland or anywhere for that matter um, but I was told I was advised to get a pair of shoes if I'm here and I may do if I see a shop but we have a show tomorrow we have our last Two last two days of shows in the upcoming days. Uh, we've three shows tomorrow in in Maine, and then we've our final show in Morristown in New Jersey this coming Thursday, and then I fly home to Ireland on Friday, and I can't wait to go home now. Not that I can't wait. I'm ready. Um, I've seen a lot of America. I've had a great time, and it's really nice to be in a place where now I'm very much looking forward to going home. Uh, to start work on a couple of other projects, get back into a couple of other things, uh, but definitely one of those priorities being getting to go back into the studio at Headstuff in Dublin. Although, as I've said many times, it has been the greatest pleasure to record this podcast on the road with my Zoom recorder, to have a little pocket studio that I can pack into a little bag and take with me wherever and record in hotel rooms in bizarre places around America to be just be sitting in a hotel room in Rockport in Maine and still giving you your di- weekly dose of folklore and mythology. Speaking of weekly, I should say, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, you're very welcome. Um, I would advise maybe going back to the beginning and working our, your way up to the flow that we've hopefully built and are continuing to build. If you're a continuing listener, thank you so much for continuing to listen. Please do continue to um, to subscribe on iTunes and leave ratings or wherever you get your podcasts. It all does make a difference. If you want to contact me, uh, that's always welcome. I love that. Um, the best way of contacting me at the moment is certainly on Instagram at Solo O-L-O-H-A-N-S-O-L-O. Please follow me on there. Uh, the more I can build my own profile, the more I can build this podcast as a thing, uh, which is something I really want to do. So, I'm going to crack into the story now. This is the second story of the Fenian cycle of Irish mythology that we're looking at. So we're looking at the deeds of Fionn McCool, specifically the boyhood deeds. Um, the first episode we looked at two weeks ago was the establishment of the Fianna and of Fionn's father, Cool, and of Fionn being raised in the forest by his two foster mothers, uh, Boval and Lea Lucra. And this uh, this chapter is more commonly known as the boyhood deeds of Fionn and actually features a few different stories than what it's named. But I couldn't not name the story what I've named it just because 
the Salmon of Knowledge is up there in terms of even with the name Fionn McCool and the name Coo Cullen and the Children of Lear as just one of the mighty, one of the most famous things in Irish mythology. It's the thing everyone knows. And I suppose you'll see when, but it's it's almost, it's an element to this story rather than the entire story itself. But I could not name it. As, as a draw, I suppose, even like from a totally honest point of view, if someone was listening to this story, uh, podcast for the first time and they were looking at the episodes this is obviously one people would click on because it's one they'd be very familiar with and I've tried to as I go along like I've said before that when I do the myths they're very chapter based so it's almost like you do have to listen to them together rather than the folktales which you can listen to totally out of uh, out of sequence um, much like old episodes of Doctor Who but I've tried now the more we go on to try and reward reward listeners who continue to listen with you know with details that you know only get better when you do know the rest of the story but i've tried to some extent to um treat each treat each of these myths as if it's the first time someone's listening so that they don't have to necessarily have listened to ones before um writing this episode i kind of compared myself to uh, Rocky 2 if anyone's familiar with the Rocky movies uh, Rocky 1 is a classic and Rocky 2 is fantastic but Rocky the first 10 minutes of Rocky 2 is basically the entire fight from Rocky 1 so in some ways if you wanted to rush your way through the Rocky franchise you don't really need to watch the first Rocky which is a shame because it's probably one of the best ones uh, but unnecessary ultimately as treated by Rocky 2 um, and not that the first, the detail of the, I haven't gone into any of the detail of the Fianna or anything. That was the real point of that first episode two weeks ago um, on the Fianna cycle, on the forming of the Fianna, as I called it. Uh, but this just gives a little bit of background just to kind of keep everyone back involved because there's a lot of characters and a lot of names and some of them are important and some of them are less so. But I'm going to get right down to it, my friends. Uh, you're listening to Fireside. This is the boyhood deeds of Fionn, or as we shall know it, the Salmon of Knowledge. The Salmon of Knowledge The three most sacred things to the Tua de Danon the former gods and goddesses of ancient Ireland were the sun, the plough, and the hazel. At the Boyne River, in what is now County Meath, it is said that one day nine hazelnuts from nine hazel trees fell into the river. They were all eaten by one ordinary salmon. And once they were consumed, this salmon was imbued with all of the knowledge of the world, and was thusly named the Salmon of Knowledge. Many years later, after the time of the Thua de Danon, a young boy named Fionn McCool set out for adventure. Fionn's father had been Cool, leader of Clan Boskna, one of the two main groups of the warrior tribe known as the Fianna. But Cool had been cut down by Gull of Clan Morna in a bid for the leadership of the Fianna. Gull then asked for all remaining members and family of Clan Boskna to be hunted down. Cool was married to Muerna of the Tua de Danon, and she was pregnant at the time of Cool's death. Knowing the danger both her and her unborn child were in, Muerna fled to the safety of the Sleeve Bloom Mountains. There, Fionn was raised by two foster mothers, his aunt Bovel and Leah Lucra, while his real mother Muerna went off in search of more permanent protection for her and her son. Fionn was born 
Demna, which meant in Irish little stag, as his mother was a shapeshifter who could assume the shape of a deer. Young Demna quickly displayed an incredible aptitude for running, hunting and fighting. It seemed immediately apparent Demna was destined to become leader of the Fianna and avenge his father. So Bovel and Lea Lucra started his training almost as soon as Demna could walk. As well as Bovel teaching him physical and combat skills, Lea Lucra taught Demna the history of Era, of the Tua de Danan, the Fianna, and of course his father, Cool. When Demna reached a mature age, he was no longer safe in the Sleeve Bloom Mountains. He had learned all he could from his foster mothers and would have to begin his own warrior's journey. But he left home with a new name. Because he was fair and beautiful, in manner as well as appearance, he was named the Fair One, Fionn. Fionn went first to the service of the King of Carrick, whom his mother had taken as her new husband. She thought that the king would be able to protect her and her son. But when she had returned to try and take Fionn away, Bovel had refused to even let Muerna see her son, saying the boy needed training and not mothering. So Muerna was overjoyed when Fionn came to see her in Carrick. However, Fionn wanted to keep his true identity a secret from the king, so he pretended he was a simple countryman wanting to service his king. Fionn proved a valued squire and guard at Carrick, and the king grew fond of him. They began to hunt and play games together, with the king constantly marvelling at the young man's skills, but thinking it not much more than just his youth. It was not until one night that the two sat playing chess, and Fionn beat the king nine times in a row. It was then the king said, You are no simple countryman. I am, lied Fionn. Don't lie to me, boy. I know who you are. You are the child my wife bore to cool of the Fianna. That is the only way. I have seen you together, and only a child of the Fianna and the Tua de Danan could display such brilliance as I have seen before me. But you are also hunted by the Morna. I am sorry, boy, but you cannot stay here. You are a danger to your mother with the two of you here, and I could not have you killed with you in my care. Where shall I go? asked Fionn. Your father has a brother still living, Krimmel, although, like the remaining members of the Boskna, he is in hiding. If you one day wish to avenge your father, find Krimmel. Muerna was, of course, broken-hearted, but Fionn dutifully left Carrick in search of his uncle. On his path to find Krimmel, Fionn heard the sound of a woman wailing. He found the woman at the side of the road, her face and clothes covered in blood. Why do you cry? asked Fionn. My one and only son was just murdered in cold blood by a vicious warrior of the Morda. Fionn not only valued the relationship between mother and son above all else, but the mention of the Morna sent him into a rage. He vowed to avenge this boy's death. It did not take him long to follow the path of destruction to find Lea Lucra of Clan Morna. Fionn challenged him to single combat. Little did Fionn know, but this very man he was fighting, Lea Lucra, was the one who had dealt the first fatal blow on Fionn's father, Cool. Perhaps it was best Fionn didn't know this, 
as the extra emotional weight might have made him clumsy or reckless in battle. But with a clear head, Fionn easily took Lealucra down. He drove his sword through his enemy's chest and Lealucra lay dead. This was Fionn's first kill, and he would never make a habit of rooting through a fallen enemy's body. But there was a possession on Lealucra that Fionn could not ignore. It was a satchel made of what appeared to be the skin of a bird. Fionn could not help but take this with him. In Connacht, Fionn finally found his uncle Crimmel, now an old man, living in a cave with a few other surviving members of Clan Boskna. At first, Crimmel did not believe that his brother Cool could have a living son. He was unaware of Morna's pregnancy at the time of the battle with the Morna, and did not believe that a son of Cool could possibly have survived to adolescence. But then, Crimmel spotted the bag Fionn was carrying. Where did you get that bag? From the body of a fallen enemy, said Fionn. I haven't seen that bag since that day. I never thought I would see it again. That is the treasure bag of the Fianna. The what? That bag was crafted by the Tua de Danon of enchanted crane skin and passed down to the Fianna. It contains all the weapons and treasures of both the Fianna and the gods. Any weapon or tool that you desire, all you have to do is reach into that bag and it will be in your hand. Fionn, that bag belonged to your father. And the day he was killed, that bag was stolen by a man who had dealt the killing blow to Cool. Was the man whose body you found it on a member of Clan Morna? Yes, yes he was, cried Fionn. His name was Lealucra. That was his name. You really are Fionn MacCool. You have recovered the lost treasure bag of the Fianna. You are my nephew. Crimmel embraced the young Fionn. Does this mean... began Fionn. Go on, said Crimmel. With Lea Lucra dead, has my father been avenged? I'm afraid not. Lea Lucra did deliver a fatal blow to Cool, there is no doubt but he was not your father's challenger or the one who was responsible for his death. That remains Gull MacMorna, the current leader of the Fianna. He is the one you must kill. But if you have the bag, you just might be destined to resurrect the Boskna and take your father's rightful place as the leader of the Fianna yourself. But how do I do that? Seek out Finagus. Finnegus was an old Irish poet and sage who lived on the banks of the Boyne, for ancient poets believed that it was only by water that poetry was revealed to them. For seven years, Finnegus had crouched over the river watching the salmon. Finnegus believed himself destined to catch and eat the salmon of knowledge and gain all the earth's wisdom. By the time Fionn found Finnegus, he was a fragile and brittle old man as he had dedicated the past seven years to nothing but fishing. Fionn offered to hunt and cook for Finnegus while he fished, in exchange for the poet to take Fionn on as a pupil. Under Fionn's care, Finnegus gained not only his strength, but his determination to catch the Salmon of Knowledge back. And he taught Fionn the ways of composing poetry as they sat on the banks of the Boyne. Eventually, 
Phanagus finally caught the Salmon of Knowledge. He knew it immediately by its size and its shimmering silver skin. Seven years of fishing had borne fruit at long last. Phanagus bade Fionn to cook the salmon, but under no circumstances to eat even a bite of it. Fionn dutifully cooked the salmon to perfection in a pan over an open campfire. While cooking, though, a blister rose on the skin of the salmon, and wanting the meal to be perfect for Phanagus, Fionn burst the blister with his thumb. In doing so, Fionn burnt his thumb and instinctively put it in his mouth to suck. When Phanagus returned, he asked Fionn if he had eaten any of the salmon, and Fionn told him what had happened. Phanagus knew at once what had happened. In that one suck of Fionn's thumb, he had consumed all of the knowledge of the world. Phanagus would have been heartbroken, after all, spending so many years fishing, now knowing he would never hold all of the world's knowledge. But Phanagus was wise enough to recognise destiny. He was obviously not destined to eat the salmon, and Fionn was. He, with a smile on his face, told Fionn to eat the rest of the salmon and soak up every last bit of the world's knowledge. After finishing off the salmon, Fionn confessed to Phanagus that he did not feel any different. So Phanagus asked him once again to suck his thumb. And from that point on, any time Fionn McCool needed to know something or see into the future, all he had to do was put his thumb between his teeth and he would know the answer. With all the world's knowledge at his disposal, Fionn finally turned his sights to Tara, to the seat of the High King, and to Gull MacMorna, head of the Fianna, and to finally avenge his father. To be continued. That is the tale of the Salmon of Knowledge on Fireside, episode 18. Oh, my voice feels hoarse now, um, as I'm sure you might have noticed. Maybe it provided more atmosphere um, after so many weeks of the row, on the road and of shows. World of Musicals particularly is, uh, it's it's a different vocal strain um, than even Celtic Nights was. Just because it changes style so many times as we do different songs from different musicals so it just puts a lot of a lot of strain on the voice as well and i think i'm finally fighting off um a sickness that i did very well i haven't lost my voice at all and i've only two more days so touch wood touch this desk of this table in this hotel room in this rockport main town blah blah blah, blah, blah. sorry all over the place um i really hope you enjoyed that story um it's it's again. I, I I constantly talk about the the imagery of myths being what makes makes them be remembered in Ireland, even if the stories themselves aren't necessarily. And obviously, it's this image of this salmon, this all knowing salmon. I think as kids, I don't know if there are versions of it, but I think as kids, like I always remembered thinking that the salmon of knowledge spoke, um, and that he imparted wisdom rather than it being only through his death and consummation. That uh, that the knowledge could be passed on, but this, of course, this is while there's a few little mini stories in this. I actually really like how contained this uh, that episode was, just in terms of Fionn McCool is he's our hero's journey, you know, and 
Whereas I've told, I've talked a lot about Lou and how much I love Lou as a character and as this Herculean figure and how it's great that he kind of has a badness to him as well as a good. He's not a black and white um, hero. Fionn McCool is, I suppose the reason he's the great hero is is because he's mortal. So he is one of us. Now, of course, he comes from a mortal stock. He is descended from the Tua de Danon and he eats a fish that makes him know absolutely everything and see into the future. And he possesses a treasure bag. Can we talk about the treasure bag for just a moment? Yes, there is a Mary Poppins bag in Irish mythology, essentially. There is a bottomless satchel that you can pull any weapon or tool of the gods out of. How great is that? That's fantastic. And Fionn possesses that as well as all the world's knowledge. And I'm still a chap. I'm only a young fella. Um, But there's so many classic fantasy elements. What are classic fantasy elements now? But obviously not so at this time. This is where they became the classic fantasy elements. All embedded in this story. And it is, of course, just the destiny, um, the having to fulfill a prophecy of a father, of a mother, having to set out into the world at a young age. Like, it's the real go-the-distance scene in Hercules in the Disney movie. Like, he will find his way, he will go the distance, and he has to go on this blood quest, finding the uncle, you know, finding these old men in caves. These are all things that happen, like... I'm always reminded of, like, it's the legend of Zelda, even, like, in video games, like, of finding the old man at the beginning, the wise old sage who gives you the weapon. It's the famous line from the first Zelda is, it's dangerous to go alone, take this. And in this case, the taking this is this ancient treasure bag that has all the weapons in the world. And then Phanagus. Phanagus is the Merlin. He's the Obi-Wan Kenobi. I spoke last week in a good detail, again, about Joseph Campbell um, and about the comparative mythologist and on his book, The Hero of a Thousand Faces. And um, I spoke a couple of weeks ago and I spoke about it more in the beginning of the podcast as well. And his his a theory, uh, not just his theory, but his um, certainly his thesis big time. And it was his life's work of how all stories are the one story. It's the story of the hero's journey. And uh, Fionn is a wonderful example of that here, particularly with Phanagus, the wise old man who teaches him the ways. Um, but it's kind of sad. It's nice in a way, isn't it? That, you know, it, it's the tragedy. That, well, the amazing image, of course, of just Phanagus on the banks of the Boyne for seven years and um, and can't want to catch this fish and not even getting to eat it himself, but being gracious enough to appreciate the destiny of it and just to take part in the passing on of this. <clears throat> it's worth noting, and I suppose I nearly shouldn't bring it up, uh, because if I don't have an answer for this, I just kind of kind of don't question it. And it might come, the reasons for it might come in a later episode. Those who listened to the first episode will have noticed there's a couple more details that I even didn't know. I often say I'm, a lot of the time, I'm just one episode ahead of you guys. I'm just learning a lot of this for the first time, especially some of these myths. Um... But Demna, Fionn's birth name, um, that means little stag, which I didn't know before. And I didn't know that his mother had shape-shifting abilities. Those are, again, like the more versions of a story, you just pick up the little details, which I love and add colour to. And so I hope you don't mind me putting them in. Like they're kind of not retconning, but very much just adding colour to even past episodes as we go forward. Um, While I think of it, just like details throughout it, chess 
chess is a massive thing in Irish mythology, bizarrely enough, because chess is only so old. So you like I'm wondering a lot of the time, is it a is it a more contemporary version like or that we just call it chess now? But there are so many examples of this game of skill rather than chance being played throughout mythology. Um Lou plays it a lot and Yefion has the nine games of it here. Um against against the King of Carrick, his mother's his mother's new husband. Poor uh, poor chap now to be sent off and sent away. Um but now in really in a really good position now to go and take on his father's his father's murderer. Um it's I love again just being from Leinster and being from the East Coast and like knowing knowing certainly uh like being from Wicklow, but I like Meath is obviously very close to Wicklow and I live in Dublin now, it's even closer still. So I spent a lot of time in Meath and uh the Boyne River is like incredibly famous in Irish history as well as myth. Like the Battle of the Boyne is one of the great battles in Irish history. Um but the Boyne River like runs beside Slane Castle, where uh, which is where a lot of the greatest Irish concerts of all time are held. And I went to see Guns N' Roses of all bands there a few years ago. Um But I have this such this strong image of the Boyne from from going to concerts there. And I suppose that really helps cement this image of Fanegas and his little fishing rod. Uh, it's kind of nice, like, cause it, it seems a little bit less chance that Fanegas spent seven years uh, hunting with no luck, and then Fionn comes along and nurses him back to health. It was mutually beneficial, you know. They definitely aided each other. So Crimmel, um, Crimmel, uh, Fionn's uncle, sends Fionn to Fanegas to learn poetry. He says, it's great, you want to be a warrior, you want to be a leader of the Fianna, you got to go and hang out with this old lad by a river and learn poems. Why? We may learn, we may find. It just seems, maybe it's as simple as they just valued poetry as much a skill. It was just like how you were a full-rounded person, like like the original Renaissance man almost, like that to these people. And that's true across across the the myths as well like certainly greek like obviously poetry and art and music is such a huge element of greek mythology and why we have such intact versions of so many of the greek myths is because the greeks were so good it, they were the greatest poets of all time and they wrote them down and they wrote these brilliant versions of them down that did survive Irish mythology, as I frequently said, isn't as lucky because it was recorded by Christian scribes who are mostly trying to come at it from a religious point of view and bridge the gap between myth and religion rather than trying to tell good stories. Um, but that incredible, putting that value on poetry that not only did Fionn need to be the greatest warrior with the treasure bag and to know all the worlds, but he had to learn how to write poetry as well. And that's beautiful. And from any kind of writing point of view in an Irishman, that's very romantic and highfalutin and all, but I think that's that's gorgeous that, you know, he's trained as a child by these warrior women. He goes off on his own path and that his kind of Merlin, his Obi-Wan Kenobi, who would normally be the one teaching him combat on the final stages of his, of his adolescence, is actually teaching him poetry. And that's, I think that's incredible. Um... But I will wrap this story up there and this episode up there. I haven't eaten all day. I've been in the room 
writing away and now recording, not talking to anyone. I'm going to head out now to get some food, to see some Rockport, Maine, and to have a couple of pints even, perhaps. Maybe. We shall see. I've got the three shows tomorrow and then the one after that, and then I'm coming home. So the next time... The next time you hear Fireside, an episode of Fireside, I will be back in the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios. Even though I'm going back to Ireland, I think I might do a couple more American folktales because I've been enjoying doing them and it'll be nice to feature them properly, you know, to actually get a few of them done like it was a proper uh, segment. As they all are Irish-American anyway, you know, there hasn't been one I've found so far that isn't very rooted in Irish folklore as well. I hope you've been enjoying them. I've been having a ball as well. Um, so next week we might look at another Jack tale. I'll see how we get on there before we look at Fionn again uh, and we move back into some more Irish folktales as we head into the summer and hopefully start to make plans for a Fireside Live show. Wouldn't that be great? Please do continue to listen. Please do continue to subscribe and leave ratings on iTunes. Thanks so much, as always, to Headstuff for putting this out, for Jamie, my uh, producer, for editing this all together while I'm away. Um, it's a huge help and I appreciate it so much and thank you so much for listening and continue to listen and I will see you all next time or you will hear me all next time around the fireside alright good night goodbye even good day whenever you're listening to this good luck this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network